Welcome and thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. As we deal with people, how do we handle the disparity of thought while maintaining our Christian perspective and keeping the peace? It can be difficult, especially nowadays. It is possible though. Here's First Pres Senior Pastor Dan Chun to show us how and why. Now, normally my first sermon in January is a State of the Union address for our church. So it's kind of State of the Church address. And hopefully it will be anything but vanilla. For my first sermon of 2021, I only have one verse that I want our church to focus on. It is this, 1 Peter 3, chapter 3, verse 15. And here it is. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. The Apostle Peter writes in our Bibles that we should always be prepared to give an account, to give a reason, to give a testimony, to give a witness as for the hope, yes, the hope we have as Christians. And we should do it with gentleness and respect. We are to be ambassadors of hope. Did you hear that? We're to be ambassadors of hope. But we might say, Dan, 2020 was a horrible year. Hence, I'm pessimistic for 2021. I have no hope of the seven dwarves call me grumpy and certainly not happy. If anything, I am dopey from being overwhelmed. I'm tired. I've had it up to here. You've heard of New Hope Church? Dan, I feel no hope. I understand with such a tough year in 2020, there is a temptation for us to be negative about the future. What will it mean for us to have hope in 2021? I'm reminded of that story many of you know, but I will put a slightly different twist on it. A couple had a very young boy who was deeply optimistic. He was so optimistic about everything that it worried his parents. So strangely, they decided they needed to fix this problem and get him more in reality. And so they took him to a psychiatrist who upon hearing of the issue said to the parents, no problem. I know how to cure him of this insatiable joy and optimism. So when the parents showed up for their appointment, the therapist took the young boy into a side room that was full of manure. And he let the child in and then closed the door and the psychiatrist said to the parents, now let's see what happens. And after a few minutes, the doctor and the parents walked into the room and there they saw the young boy digging through the manure with his bare hands. He was going like this, and he's going like that, and he's digging away. And they asked him, what are you doing? And the boy replied, there has got to be a pony in here somewhere. That's optimism. My point is, 2020 was kind of a crappy year in many ways. And we might feel there was a lot of manure all around us and above us and beside us and cascading down on top of us. It was a pilau, stinky, cruddy, crappy 2020 year. And then on January 6, 2021, the United States Capitol building was breached. 
when we thought it couldn't get worse, it suddenly did. And our hearts dropped in despair. Great way to start the new year. So my question to us all is where will we find our joy and hope in 2021? How will we give an account of our deep hope for this coming year? How will we, you and I, respond to the divisiveness and strife and pandemic in our country? Will our thoughtful response be any different from non-Christians? When I watched in horror the attack on our Congress, I was stunned, saddened, angry, embarrassed, worried, and fearful for those inside. As people stormed the Capitol, I saw one lone person with a yellow placard with the words, Jesus saves. And I thought, how stupid is that? I hope that person was not saying, this is the way of Jesus to use violence and destruction when you don't get your way. But then I thought, maybe it was actually a lone prophet trying to say, no people, this is not the way. Only Jesus can save our nation and turn us from hate and violence and sin. Jesus alone saves, not a politician or a party or a vote. Jesus alone saves. Do we know our why as to why we exist as followers of Jesus, as pastors Tim and Steve recently preached? Our passage is saying, that give the reason for the hope that you have, but gently and respectfully of other people's positions. We are to be ambassadors of hope and peace in Jesus Christ. Now let's unpack our one verse for today on which I'm basing this state of church of dress. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. This is literally a come to Jesus talk. What is the reason for the hope you have today? You who might say you revere Jesus. If you say it's because I'm putting all of my hope in a new president, or a new controlling political party, or that the former president or the minority party will come back and lead our nation in some way, I'm going to say, wrong answer. Ultimately, our future hope is not going to be because of one person or one party or the stock market or the Supreme Court of America, nor a vaccine. And if you're putting all of your chips on one of those, as it happens in Las Vegas, you will always lose in the wrong, long run. You're betting on the wrong horse. Now let me talk honestly and directly today of how we can truly have an account of the hope we should have in Christ that is not namby-pamby in any way, but is real and muscular and enduring after a bad 2020 year and a 2021 year that is already traumatic right out of the gates. As I said, this is literally going to be a come to Jesus talk so that we can look at this year and say, in spite of the mountain of manure, there's got to be a pony in there somewhere. If we claim to truly be fully devoted and committed followers of Jesus, then Christ 
has to be the top priority in our lives. It's not that I'm a Republican first or a Democrat first or Libertarian first who happens to be Christian. No, being a Christian transforms everything else. It's the top focus and priority. And if we don't understand that, we will find an excuse to breach the walls of Congress. Now, how do we get messed up? How do we lose hope? Here's what the Apostle Paul wrote in a letter to the church in Rome with these paraphrased words as printed in the message version. Those who think that they can do it on their own end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle but never get around to exercising it in real life. Those who trust God's action in them find that God's spirit is in them, living and breathing God. Obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. Attention to God leads us out into the open, into a spacious, free life. Focusing on the self is the opposite of focusing on God. And anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God, ends up thinking more about self than God. That person ignores who God is and what he is doing and God isn't pleased at being ignored. In my State of the Church address, I'm calling us all to be ambassadors of hope. If we take seriously these four things, number one, the Bible, number two, prayer, number three, humility, and number four, the rider on the white horse. First point, the Bible. I think we as Christians and we as a nation are getting way off course because we are not reading and studying and meditating on the truths in the Bible. Research says that the average Christian owns at least four Bibles and that the majority of them have never read it in its entirety. They will hear maybe a minute or two read in a church service, but they've never read it in its entirety. And that's like seeing the trailer of a movie every week, but never seeing the movie. And yes, I know that the leader of our nation was criticized for possibly using the Bible as a prop. But I say before you talk about the speck in someone else's eye, think about the possible log in your own. Have we, yes, we, been using the Bible as a prop, but not really as a foundation, the basis of our lives. Don't point the finger at others, but do a ruthless self-inventory of yourself. For fun, this week, every day, write down how many hours you watch or read the news, or blogs, or apps, or listen to pundits, or how many hours you binge on Netflix or Prime or whatever, and then, total how many hours, hours per week you read the Bible or pray. You might be stunned to discover it might be 50 to 1, 100 to 1, 1,000 to 1 ratio. And, and by listening to or watching pundits that feed our own prejudices, is it any wonder that we get farther from Jesus and lose the real durable hope that counts? As I said earlier, your hope, your true hope, is not coming in a vaccine, or the economy, or a political party, or a politician, or a judge. Our only true hope is Jesus. 
And if we don't read his word or talk to him in prayer, we might think a certain ideology is more better, but it's actually more worse. If we read the Bible and really digest Jesus' words, it should transform our worldview, inform it too, and not vice versa. Can we take seriously the words of Jesus in the Bible? In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, when Christ says that we, we better have compassion in action in our lives and actually help the poor and the hungry and the thirsty and the stranger in a strange land, meaning the immigrant, the sick, the incarcerated, for if you don't, you will go into eternal punishment. Mamma mia, that's a serious hot a pizza. Really hot. We can say, oh, that is all good, but what about the economy and my personal space and comfort? That is not what Jesus said. And when I think of what happened at the Capitol, can we take seriously Jesus' words in the Beatitudes in Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew 5 through 7, where he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, the meek, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers. And we didn't see that in the storming of the Capitol. Jesus then says, we are to be the salt of the earth. We are the ones who should give health and flavor and be the preserver of the good things in life, not the destructors. Hence, as Christians, if you get into discussions about the capital tragedy, I ask you not to be divisive arguers, but instead be peacemakers and be merciful and meek, which means silent strength, and be kind to those who mourn and are poor in spirit. Jesus says he will call you a child of God if you are indeed a peacemaker. Remember our key verse says that we must give hope with gentleness and respect. Give an account of the hope in you about Jesus, not politics. Be a peacemaker, not a divider. Second point, prayer. A couple of Wednesdays ago, I turned on the TV just for a minute to see who won the Georgia Senate elections. And instead, like many of you, I saw our Capitol being attacked. As I said, I was stunned, angry, shocked. But what do Christians do when we are under attack or confused or anxious or fearful or angry? We pray. So in the face of this national tragedy, I immediately called a congregational prayer meeting. And I know a lot of you didn't get the email in time, but there is no other quick way to reach you other than sending out an email to nearly 2,000 people. Prayer is what we do. That's how we roll. And I talked to all of the middle schoolers last week on anger, as it just happened that was a topic chosen months ago. And one of our responses when we are angry, I said, is we pray. We don't let anger be the boss of our lives. It's in prayer we hear God's voice, we get his counsel, we feel his presence. And so in that immediate church prayer meeting, we sang, we worshiped, we prayed for God's mercy and wisdom and help in a time of need in our nation. Prayer is what we do. And when we are in trouble, we need to fire it up 
stoke up the furnace of faith. Talk to God. Listen to what he has to say to us. And sometimes, says Jesus, certain demonic challenges can only be cast out with real genuine prayer and fasting. May not the Bible or the appearance of prayer be a fake prop in our lives. Now, number three, humility. We can only be an ambassador of hope. We can only give a true, let me underline this, a true account of our faith with others if we are humble enough to say, it is we who are all screwed up. And that in many ways, we are not better than others. We can look at the breach of the Capitol and rightfully in many ways say that many of those people were all messed up and those who are attack our Congress are messed up, but don't stop there. What is it about us, our entire society, our government, our community that is messed up? And you know what? It starts with us. Whoa, how can you say that, Pastor Dan? Well, if we read our Bibles, Jesus states it clearly what all of our human nature is really like. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 7, get ready for this. Here's what Jesus says. Then do you also fail to understand? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile? Since it enters not the heart but the stomach and then goes out into the sewer. Sorry, another credit reference. And he said, it is what comes out of a person that defiles, for it is from within, from the human heart, that evil intentions come. Fornication, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, folly, all these evil things come from within and they defile a person. Whoa, so if we are humble, we would say that description is us. Talk about a real pandemic. The virus of sin is in all of us. We are all carriers, and we need to battle the bad stuff that can come from the human heart. There is no area in our life that cannot be tainted by sin. You see, for most Americans, they may not have this biblical Jesus-centered idea of human nature that we are sinful and not all good. If we are humble, we can admit that, and that is our starting place. We can criticize those who attacked our capital, and we should be against violence and death and trespassing and vandalism. And what they did was wrong, and they should be punished. They have hurt America. But don't stop there. It is humans who make up society. And we constantly have to be humble enough that if you and I are not open to God's spirit, we will hurt America in other ways. If we are blind to our racism, have apathy to the environment, or have a tendency to glorify violence and anger in entertainment, or to support a porn industry that continually hurts women and children, as well as men, then we are in trouble. 
Due to the sinful human nature, we should never make a religion, a religion of following a person or a political party or a business as having being our God. There are many false gods that society strives for, money and sex and power, status, the election of certain officials. Know your why for living. But Jesus said, what good will it be for you to gain the whole world, yet forfeit your soul? Or what can you give in exchange for your soul? James, the half-brother of the Lord, wrote this in our Bible. And by the way, did you know the Lord had a half-brother? Anyway, Jesus wrote this in his letter in the Bible. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? Now that is a passage the middle school and I studied together in youth group last Sunday, and some expressed their happiness that finally someone from the church was speaking on what happened at the Capitol. And by the way, we were delayed in preaching on it last week because we had already recorded our sermon, though we immediately did have a congregational prayer meeting, as I mentioned, where more than 160 attended. We live in an increasingly angry and confrontive society. And more and more on newscasts, the pundits are modeling anger and interrupting people and demeaning the other side. And when we promote the ratings of these shows, we are saying to our children and youth, that is how you should be when you are mature adults like us. And I say shame on us adults for buying into that. It's rude behavior and a bad communication. And many of the TV news shows we watch have people on camera who are argumentative and mean and do not give both sides of an issue. When I was a TV news journalist back in the days of Walter Conkright, um, it was imperative that we would always interview both uh, people on both sides of an issue on the same show. That is so gone now where certain stations 24-7 only show one side so we, so we watch to confirm rather than challenge our convictions. And that can get us even more blind and argumentative. And, and for some who take it to extreme, they end up breaching the U.S. Capitol. Jesus calls us to be meek, gentle in spirit, peacemaking. Those are his words, not mine. And if you have a problem with that, take on Jesus. But I warn you, you're not smarter than he. One of my favorite Bible verses and quotes from God is from Psalm 50, verse 9a. I will not accept any bull from your house. Okay, hang in there with me. That is not another manure statement. God is saying, I don't care about all of your sacrifices of animals and your burnt offerings before me of, of bulls or doves or lambs or whatever, when your heart is not really with me and you don't live according to my commandments. You hate discipline. You, you, you cast my words behind you. You make friends with a thief when you see one. You keep company with the wrong people. You give your mouth free reign for evil and... and you, you just, your whole life frames deceit, and yet you go through the motions of sacrificing bulls to me. Hence, God says in Psalm 50, I will not accept any more bull from your house. 
Many who call themselves Christians are really just religious Pharisees who might go through the motion of devotion of sacrifices and prayer and worship, but their heart is not with God. The Apostle Paul emphasizes this by saying, when we don't follow God, we live in the flesh. That's Paul's term. We live in the ways of human thinking or the fleshly desires. We are not Holy Spirit-led. And the ways of the world are the, are, are the ways of the flesh, human but not godly, human but not of the Holy Spirit, about whom which many Christians have no idea. Let me quote Paul directly. He wrote in a letter to the Roman church in the 8th chapter and said this, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For this reason, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. You know, it's like there is this fight in our hearts and minds. There is like a a bag inside of our hearts with two angelic beings fighting for your audience, a dark angel, a demon on one side saying, live according to the world, don't follow Jesus, and an angel on the other side saying, no, follow the Holy Spirit, be filled with the Holy Spirit who is a divine person. Now, you may be new to our church fellowship and you may be asking, how does this all work? What is the Holy Spirit? Who is he? Well, join us in our weekly Alpha course, which we do live online that just started this past week, and you can still join this free class. So go to the website, check out the chat area to see that link. And we talk about the Holy Spirit and Jesus and the Bible and about prayer and healing in the Alpha course. And we learn how to live by the Spirit and not by the flesh. Our nation is depending on us to walk in the Spirit and know Him. And finally, and fourth, the rider on the white horse. Now what does that mean? In recent debates in Congress and in the literal breach of Congress, people were saying they were fighting for the Constitution. And I would state the Constitution is good. Best in the world, I would say. But for followers of the Messiah, our allegiance is to something greater. It is to Jesus Christ. It is to his written word, the Bible, because the Bible was written in the blood of God on the cross. The good news for us of the gospel was signed, this gospel was signed in blood by Jesus' sacrificial crucifixion. And sure, we can fight over the Constitution. We could have a civil war like in the 1860s again, but that would not be of God. So all of us need to tone down the rhetoric 
and be a true ambassador of peace and hope. There are evil forces in this world, both human and spiritual, that would like to divide us. Don't be naive. I'm reminded of Aslan, the lion in C.S. Lewis's book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. In the book, there is an evil witch who fights Aslan, the Christ figure, the Lion of Judah in the book. And parents, please have all of your children read this book or have it read to them. It's why we're going to sing a special song about the Lion and the Lamb at the end. The Lion and the Lamb, by the way, are symbols of the courage of, of Jesus and his sacrifice as a lamb for us, courage of a lion. But back to Aslan, the lion. At one point, Aslan says to the witch who tries to throw curses and spells at, at Aslan, and Aslan says, do not cite the deep magic to me, witch. I was there when it was written. Jesus was there when the world, the universe, was first created. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end of life. No curse, no evil power can overcome. He wrote the car manual. In the last book of the Bible called Revelation, the writer John the Apostle has a vision and he writes in chapter 6, verse 2, I looked, and there was a white horse. Its rider had a, had a bow. A crown was given to him, and he came out conquering and to conquer. And then in chapter 19, in the 11th verse, John says, And then I saw heaven open, and there was a white horse. Its rider is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and his head are many crowns, and it's a name inscribed that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, wearing the fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses, and from his mouth comes a sharp sword which is strike down the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron iron and he will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty and on his robe and on his thigh he has a name inscribed King of Kings Lord of Lords is Jesus Christ who is the rider of the white horse the blood that is mentioned is not the blood of humanity, but it is his, his blood that he sacrificed when he was crucified on a cross due to a mob that breached the walls of civility and yelled and condemned him to death. He shed his own blood to take care of the sin that comes out of our hearts. And he died so that we wouldn't have to attack Congress or whoever. And when we get scared about the future, let's remember who is really in charge. No matter how bad the pandemic or politics or the economy or our health might be, let us live as he wants us to live and be ambassadors of peaceful hope to others. Let us trust him with our anxieties and fears. God is saying, I got this. I was there when all of life was written. And when we wonder 
who we should follow. Let's remember who is in authority. And when we get scared, or even when we're not scared, when we are facing physical, spiritual, or emotional challenges, let us be people who read the Bible and apply it to our lives. And may we pray and be people of the Spirit and not of the flesh. And when we feel pessimistic and feel there is a lot of manure in our lives, I say, keep digging. For guess what? It's not a pony. Oh my goodness, in the midst of it, we will find a huge white horse, a stallion. And Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords, rides it. And he is risen to save us, to help us, and give us new life. Amen? Amen. And so, as I said earlier, let us be people of prayer. And let's talk to this wonderful God right now. Lord, we come to you as a people who desperately need you. We come to you hopefully to say today, we want to reaffirm that you should be the one authority in our lives and that we should live by you, by your word, in the spirit, and in prayer. Lord, there's so many voices in the world. It's so confusing. Very hard sometimes to know what the truth is. And, and Lord, I believe there are people here watching who are saying, okay, I'm beginning to get it, that maybe I've, I have bet on the wrong horse and I need to bet on the rider of the white stallion. Lord, if there's anybody out there who says, I want to give Jesus a chance. I want to pray and accept him into my life. I want to just say, okay, if you are who you say you are, I'm in. Because I am now hearing your voice saying, I got it. I'll take care of you. Follow me and my way will be better for you and society. And so, Lord, if there's anybody out there who may want to decide to really commit their lives to you, or maybe a Christian who wants to really recommit, rededicate their lives to you. May they just say this prayer with me. Jesus, be my Lord. I will follow you. Sorry for not following you as closely as I should, or not at all. Thank you that I know that now that I prayed this, you're going to come into my life. So please come in. Holy Spirit, come in. Lord, I know you hear our prayers. In Christ's name, amen. Now, if by chance you've said that prayer, you might want to hit that button that says, says, I commit my life, and, and hit the prayer button that may be there, like, I just want to pray with someone right after this service and somebody will answer your your call on that button and confidentially listen to your needs and, and pray for you and uh, if you made a decision to follow Christ somebody would love to pray with you for that too so please take advantage of that 
You've heard me talk about the lion and the lamb. Jesus Christ, like Aslan the lion, who fights, who will fight to protect us, who's in our corner. And he's also the gentle lamb who gave his life on a cross. And just before I give the, the final blessing, I, I just want to say that we're so grateful that you all were with us today. And we invite you to hang out with us after the service and stay for um, connect groups or to pray with people. And so um, if you want to stay uh, to be in a connect group, just hit the button and uh, we'll connect you. And so hang around and we'll put you in that. And people will be there to discuss the sermon and, um, and perhaps some of the um, God's word and will for our lives uh, goes a bit deeper. But now for all of you, here's a final blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and his countenance be upon you. And may you know deep in your heart the wonderful love of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And may you follow the one who rides the white horse. In Christ's name, amen. Goodbye, everybody. Aloha. Ahui ho. As ambassadors of hope, we read our Bibles, pray consistently, live with humility, and we follow the one true authority in the world, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to hear this sermon again, you can listen to and download this and other sermons from the First Pres website, fpchawaii.org. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Normally, we meet Sundays at our Ko'olau campus or at the Vine in Kaka'ako, but for now, you can find the entire church service streamed online on the church websites, fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. For our virtual church service, click the online church box at our regular church service times, Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11.11 for First Prez, and Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m. for The Vine. Be sure to check your email for links to sermons, church news and updates, and daily devotionals. If you have any questions or needs, you can always reach the church through the website or just call 808-532-1111. For Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Prez, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you. Stay safe and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2021 and produced by the media ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.